Welcome back to What a Creep. This is Margot Donahue, and my cohort and creepitude, as always, is the amazing Sonia Mansfield. Hey, Sonia. Hello, my friend. Aloha. You are Aloha! still in Hawaii. By the time you guys get this, Sonia's taking a vacation. So we're re- we decided to repost an episode. We don't do this all the time. It's when something happens in the news, and something is happening in the news, which is for some fucked up reason and by the way if this is all new to you <laughs> we use salty language we use salty language so just to warn you guys there's a movie coming out called ted ted bundy american boogeyman what they're doing is that the, what hollywood has been doing for 30 plus years now is they hire really good looking guys to play ted bundy <laughs> it's like getting brad pitt to play adolf hitler <laughs> there's no point to it except they keep pushing this narrative that this super handsome man just tricked everybody because he's so clever and sexy. Like, ooh, that's why. And he's a fucking monster. And we're I'm so tired also, of this. not that good looking. He is, look no. up Ted Bundy. Look at a picture of Ted Bundy. Dude is like a total mediocre white dude. If he sat next to you in the bar and tried to buy you a drink, you'd be like, no, thanks. I'm waiting for my friends. You wouldn't be like, oh, if he were a model, he would not be in GQ. He'd be he in is- the Sears catalog <laughs> by a lawnmower. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. Modeling like, you know, mosquito nets or something like that. This is yes. He's a horrible human being. And we sh- I don't know if we did this before. Like I said, this is one of our first episodes. It's early in the season. Yes. Trigger warnings. This is a tough one because it's about sexual assault, murder. There's a child. There are children involved. Yeah. He was a monster. We're just repub- we're saying this again because this needs to be said. This guy doesn't deserve all this glossy treatment that he gets where super handsome dudes play him in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then once again, I said this before, I'll say it again, pushing this narrative that he was yeah. some clever creep and sexy and, and mysterious. Mm-hmm. He committed crimes in the 70s with these other fucking douchebags because they could get away with it. It was much easier then. He is, was, always will be a piece of shit. Yep. And he's not a, he's, he's not a beautiful genius. No, but he, he, he's like, like I said, mediocre white dude who really benefited from being a mediocre white dude. Right. Failed upward. Yes. Yes. Fuck Ted Bundy. He's a piece of shit. He's such a piece of shit. Was. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. And if this is your first time listening, you can follow us on Twitter at CreepPod because somebody had what a creep for 10 years and never used it. Creep. We have a Patreon page. Go check that out if you want to support the show. Our email is whatacreeppodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. And we, so this is going in the Wayback Machine. We're just going to dive right in. I have no idea how this is going to sound, Sonia. We could have sucked for all I know, but. No way. We never suck. We're never. always awesome. Please check us out. Here we go. Ted Bundy, American Creep. Creep. Welcome to What a Creep. The show with Margot Donahue and Sonia Mansfield talking about creeps from the past to the present. This is your quick guide to the biggest creeps, jerks, assholes, and losers. The best of the worst. From two nice ladies 
who want the world to be a little less creepy. Welcome back to What a Creep. I am your co-host, Margot Donahue, and with me as always is the amazing Sonia Mansfield. Hello, my amazing friend. Hello, my amazing friend. So you and I, every week we talk about a creep and then we decide to end the show with someone who's not a creep so we don't leave you totally depressed and anxious. And today's creep is super creepy. So you will be very happy about that, everyone. (laughs) He's just a little creepy. He's just, oh, for God's sakes. We'll get to him in a second. But I just want to say, you guys, this is season one, episode seven. And you can find us on social media at What a Creep at Facebook and on Instagram. Please find us there on Twitter. We're at CreepPod. And we have an email, and it's whatacreeppodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you guys. We're starting to hear from you that you like the show. Thank you so much for that. And if you would like a What a Creep sticker, let us know and we will drop it in the mail for you. And also we had mentioned, but it's dropping tomorrow. We thought it was dropping last week, but it's happening this week. If you go to podcasts we listen to, Sonia and I are the current episode. And I'm so excited to hear that. We're so fancy. (laughs) We are so fancy. We're so fancy. We're so big time, you guys. We certainly are. We're getting there. So thank you so much, Jeremy, for having us on that show. And we wound up talking to him for, I think, like two hours. I know. It was ridiculous. We (laughs) really went down some very interesting rabbit holes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So are we ready for today's guest? I think I'm ready. I've been emotionally preparing myself. I'm ready. I have a glass of wine and a glass of water, depending how I'm feeling today, <laughs> to be honest with you guys. Smart. Yes. Smart. And our guest, our guest, excuse me. Our guest. Our creep. Our guest. <laughs> Welcome into the apartment, 2D, Ted. <laughs> no, no. The ghost of Ted Bundy is not here. Mm-mm. Ted Bundy. He is our creep today, and I wanted to talk about him. I know there are a lot of true crime shows out there, and they talk about Ted Bundy, and it's like, well, why are you guys talking about that? And it's personal for me and for Sonia, I think, because we're really sick and tired of the whole romantic language that's done around Ted Bundy. So gross. It's really gross. He was a total fucking creep. He wasn't interesting. He wasn't handsome. He wasn't intelligent. No. He was just a fucking asshole yep. who got away with a lot of stuff. And we're going to get into him today. Yeah. He's, and he's I, handsome when I, he's played by Mark Harmon in a TV movie. Oh, he's not oh, handsome in real life, you guys. He's disgusting. He's disgusting. He's a garbage person. And we are going to totally get into that today. Yes. So I just want to tell you guys, I, I'll, I'll give you all of my, my resources and stuff in a second. But I want to just say at the top of the show, I'm really going to work at not giving all of the gruesome details. Mm-hmm. It's just if you want to, there's actually a very good Wikipedia page with Ted Bundy. It's all there. If that's what you really, really want to know, I'm just going to keep it top level because ugh, fuck yeah, this guy. Seriously, I- <laughs> fuck this guy. That's our other podcast. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, 
our other podcast is called The Dorking Out Show, and we just talk about movies there. So it's a lot more fun if you, <laughs> if you need to cleanse the palate, just so you know. Yeah. Although I think this one's fun, too. It's going to be fine. It you will. guys. You guys. You'll see. You'll see. So Theodore Robert Bundy, he was born Theodore Robert Cowell, November 24th, 1946. <sighs> He's an American serial killer. He's also a necrophile who kidnapped, raped, murdered numerous women and girls in the 1970s, but if it could have happened much sooner than that, but he's depraved, he's disgusting, and he is our total creep today. Yeah. He's an all-timer, and, by the way. That's like an all-timer creep. Like abs- Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So some of the resources are Wikipedia. There's the book, The Stranger Beside Me by Ann Rule. I read that years ago, but that's a really good one. There's The Bundy Murders by Kevin M. Sullivan. There is Conversations with a Killer, which was a Netflix special directed early this year by Joe Berlinger, who also directed a movie called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. And this year, and it was played by Zac Efron. And this is where... I start to go nuts. And this yeah. is why I want to do this show. I didn't even watch it, actually, because I was like, uh, hard pass on that one. That one was based on the girlfriend of Liz that Zach, I'm sorry, not Zach. Zach Efron is not a killer or an asshole, by the way. <laughs> that, we're, that we know of. <laughs> that we know of. The actors I'm going to mention that played him are not assholes or killers. Yes. But it's always the sexualizing of Ted Bundy that gets really annoying. And that story was told from the point of view of his girlfriend that he had in the early 70s who stayed with him for many, many years and then finally got a clue. Mm -hmm. But the other ones were the other movies, The Men Who Have Played Him. There's The Deliberate Stranger, which came out in 1986, played by Mark Harmon. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Uh, Yep, there's The Stranger Beside Me, played by Billy Campbell. Okay. Uh, there's, I haven't seen that. I did see that, I'm sorry. The River Man, I've never seen that. Ted Bundy is played by Carrie Elwes. What? Yes. Okay. That's, the, all right. Wesley from the, from the Princess Bride, yeah. That seems like uh, weird James, casting. Okay. Very weird, oh, wait for this. Bundy, A Legacy of Eagle, was played by Cora Nemec. Uh, Parker Lewis can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> and that one was a comedy, I assume. That was a comedy. <laughs> was hilarious. Uh, there's the capture of the Green River Killer. And that Ted Bundy was play- played by James Marsters. And like I said, Zach Efron is the one that just played this year. Mm-hmm. And it made me so goddamn crazy I had to do this episode. Yeah. So here we go. Are we ready for Ted Bundy? Yep. Okay. He was born in 1946 and is a product of a romance by his very young mother with a returning GI. And this kind of happened a bit in the mid 40s when men came back from war. Some of them had just been through a lot of crap and weren't ready to kind of settle down. And some of them just had sexual experiences, you know, while they were overseas and they came back to America. And there's sort of like a lot of women that became pregnant in 1946 and 47 Mm -hmm. that wound up in, you know, girl homes for pregnant girls. Ted Bundy's mother was one of them. Her name is Eleanor Louise Cowell. And there are different stories about who the father was, but she left it blank on his birth certificate. 
Okay. Okay. So Ted was first raised by his grandparents uh, near Philadelphia. And Ted would say later on that he was very happy in his childhood. But it turns out Mm -hmm. his grandfather was a total fucking psycho. And his family would later tell people that Samuel Cowell was, I'm quoting, a tyrannical bully and bigot who hated blacks, Italians, Catholics, and Jews. He beat his wife and the family dog. Oh, my And gosh. swung neighborhood cats by their tails. <gasps> what? He once threw Louise's younger sister, Julia, down a flight of stairs for oversleeping. He, he sometimes spoke aloud to unseen presences and quite often flew into violent rages. And the, some people question the paternity of Ted. Is his grandfather really his father? Because Ted is a maniac. So De- Ted described his grandmother as timid and obedient. And wouldn't you be? Right. And, and she apparently went under electroconvulsive therapy for depression And Bundy occasionally exhibited weird behavior, like the time Julia, uh, the sister, his aunt, woke up from a nap and she found her three-year-old nephew standing by her bed and he has surrounded her bed with knives from the kitchen. (gasps) Uh, I have a young son. That is not normal behavior, FYI. In case you're wondering, that is not normal. He was three years old at the time. Yes. Not normal. Yeah. No. So in 1950, Louise moves with Ted to Tacoma, Washington, because they, because they have relatives there. And I'm sure because she thinks this guy's a fucking lunatic, I got to get my son away from him. Mm-hmm. She marries a man named Johnny Bundy, who's a cook and makes a decent enough living. And he adopts Ted and gives him the name Bundy. Ted looks down on him. But he does like his new siblings that come along, and they eventually have four kids. And not much is really known about Ted in his teenage years. In high school, he was, like, not popular and not unpopular. He was perfectly pleasant enough. But there's one thing that stands out, and that's when he was 14. He was working as a paperboy. And one day, a nine-year-old girl who was on his route disappeared, and nobody ever found her. Uh, okay. Not I've sure never heard. I've never heard that story before. That's yeah. disturbing. Okay. And he, living in Washington State, Ted becomes a skiing fanatic, and I mean, he's crazy for skiing. He goes to the mountains as often as he can, and he eventually starts. He resorts to stealing and forging lift tickets to kind of feed his skiing habit. He's really kind of a maniac for it. And in his teenage years, he is charged with burglary and auto theft a few times before he turns 18. But once he turned 18, those records were they were expunged from his record. That's a classic sign, by the way, when you start forging lift tickets. You are well on your way to being a serial killer. Everyone knows that it's textbook serial killer behavior. Bedwetting, head injuries, forging ski lift tickets. Yes. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Now, Ted said later on that this is the time in his life 
where he becomes fascinated with violence and pornography. And he's, like I said, he was an average student. He doesn't date very much. And then he's going to college. And his life goes a little bit all over the place for like the next 10 years. So this is 1965. He graduates and then he goes to the University of Puget Sound. And before he transfers to the University of Washington a year later to study Chinese. And at the University of Washington, he meets a woman. Is that U-Dub from the singles movie? What? Is that U-Dub from the serial of uh, the singles movie? Remember that? I don't remember. You know, I don't, we, have to, we have to put singles on our Yeah, um, singles list. is on the dorking out list. We'll put it on there. Okay. If y'all know, just tell me. Okay. So at UW, I'm just going to say it now. He <laughs> meets a woman. <laughs> he meets a woman there who's very beautiful. And her name is Stephanie Brooks. And that's a pseudonym. And some places have her real name. I'm not going to say her real name because she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But she, she is from Burlingame, California. And you and I both know being from the Bay Area, mm-hmm. that's a very wealthy area. Yeah. And it's very close to where I live right now. Oh, be it's careful. right outside of San Francisco. That's true. And she's got long brown hair parted in the middle, very attractive lady, very high class. And Ted soon figures out that she is completely out of his league. And she eventually figures out that he's really immature. And then he really just kind of lacks ambition. He doesn't just stick with things. He drops out of college and he takes on a series of minimum wage jobs. And a lot of what he likes to do is volunteering for Republican candidates. Ew, see? (laughs) See? All the signs were there. (laughs) (laughs) In 1968, he attends the Republican National Convention in Miami. Stephanie breaks up with him, and Ted does not handle it well at all. In fact, he drops out of school, he heads for Vermont. He heads for Philadelphia. He goes to Arkansas. He's all over the, the place visiting family. Mm-hmm. And he says later that when he's visiting family in Philadelphia, he would borrow the car and he would drive to the New Jersey shore and around the Atlantic City area, Ocean City area, and also the Pine Barrens. And if you're a Sopranos fan, <laughs> you know about the Pine yeah, Barrens. Yes. It's very fine. Very famous episode. Yeah. One of the best ever in television ever. And this is where he starts thinking about approaching women. And he starts practicing going up and down the boardwalks, going around those areas, approaching women. And he's super scared at first and really bad at it because he's awkward. But eventually he figures out when you're talking to women, he calls it a numbers game. And you just keep at it and someone's going to talk back to you. And this is where he kind of like learns about this. And this is where he starts to think about not only taking a woman, but abducting her and taking her someplace else. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to take a sip of wine. Ted moves back to Washington because he knows the outlying area, the woods, 
because he loves skiing. He loves being in the outdoors. He likes it so much better there than the East Coast. And this is 1969. And he meets a woman whose name is Liz and who is a single mom. And I'm not giving you her full name because I see various versions of her name. Sometimes it's a pseudonym. Mm -hmm. She eventually leads a private life and gets away from him. So I'm just not going to use her name or her daughter's name. But she's a single mom and she meets Ted in a singles bar. And they wind up in a tumultuous relationship. Okay. Okay. So in 1970, Ted decides to give college a good try again. And he goes to University of Washington as a psychology major. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sure. As part of his curriculum, he joins a suicide prevention hotline. And that's where he meets future superstar crime author Anne Rule. They're on the same shift together and they become buddies. And Ted is credited for saving several lives while he's working this shift, working for the organization, the hotline. And they say in particular, he really works well with older women. He really empathizes with them and he's, he's saved some lives. That is very interesting. I also never heard that. Oh, well, Anne Rule at one time was a cop. And then she decided to become more, she wanted to become an author because being a cop as a woman in the 60s was really challenging. Right. And she wasn't getting anywhere with it. But she had a total interest in crime. So she knew the police department. She was good friends with Ted Bundy. And she knew he drew a brown, uh, a tan Volkswagen and all the stuff about them. But she said, I thought he was charming. I thought he was sweet. I had him around my kid. She was a single mother too. So, but I think she was a little older mm-hmm. and a little bigger. She was more rounded. So I think he did like, she wasn't his type. So he was just like really nice to her. Mm. Okay. Okay. In 1972, 1972, in 1972, <laughs> he graduates from UW And despite having, quote unquote, mediocre LSAT scores, he gets into two law schools. And that's because white guy, he's a white guy. (laughs) But he also he did some volunteer work for the governor of Washington. And uh, so that man wrote him a letter of recommendation. So Ted is accepted. He's a little pissed off because he thinks he should be at a more prestigious school because he has a a lot of entitlement. But he gets into, of course, But he gets into the University of Puget Sound and the University of Utah. And it's at this time, just before he claims he started killing women, he is now a constant peeping Tom who would roam around the streets for hours at night looking into women's windows. Hmm. He is also a thief and a shoplifter. And he is so brazen, he just walks into, he would just walk into like a furniture store and pick up a piece of furniture and just walk out. <laughs> and no one would say anything. He, he just was constantly stealing things. And then he would take it back to uh, Liz's house and hide it under her porch. And then when she was asleep, he would take it out and then hide it in her garage. And then she'd be like, what the fuck is this? And they'd, ha- they'd have an argument. But he, he's into thieving and he's into being a peeping Tom. A peeping okay. Ted. A peeping Ted. Uh, also, yay for Liz. He cheats on her constantly and oh, plays nice. her emotions. Cool. 
he she claims he forced her to try bondage during sex. Um, and one time he tried to drown her while they were kayaking. Oh, but uh, she didn't still didn't break up with him, huh? They would make up and break up and make up and break up. It was one of those things. She'd be one of those friends, like yeah. they'd call you and you'd and be like, like oh, for God's sakes. Yeah, just break up with him already. He tried to drown you in a kayak. <laughs> he steals shit and drives all night. What do you think he's doing? Like, Yeah, but, but she- dating's hard. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, he's nice to my kid. Like, you know, your kid is a good reason to not be there. Right. Uh, Ted really likes her daughter. They have a good relationship and Ted loves her parents and they love Ted. They think mm-hmm. Ted's a great guy. So Liz is in the, this, you know, whatever. One time, by the way, he brought home a new TV and when she asked him how he paid for it, he just got into a screaming match with her. But some of the other things he stole at one point, he had several part-time jobs and he would always just quit and he would get, he would get fired for stealing like from many jobs. Yes. One of them was a medical supplier company. He stole tons and tons of rubber gloves, plaster Paris for casts, slings and ace bandages. (laughs) Fucking weirdo. He is such a fucking creep. Was, was a fucking creep. Ugh. Yeah. 1973 comes around and Stephanie somehow finds Ted. She goes back to University of Washington. She's the one that broke up with him five years before. And she sees that he's turned his life around. Ted, by the way, is really into the Republican Party in Seattle. And this he does not volu- surprise me. No, he he volunteers for a lot of different organizations and he's kind of a name like people sort of when he's on and he feels confident, he really charms people. Mm-hmm. And this time he's charming Liz again. So he and Liz are dating. I mean, sorry, he and Stephanie are dating, even though he's still living with Liz. Nice. And this goes on for a while. And then Ted proposes to Stephanie. She, she says Yes. And then he ghosts her (gasps) as revenge for dumping him in 1968. (laughs) Somebody's playing the long game. Like to let it go on like that. That's ridiculous. What a fucking psycho. And now he's sitting on the Supreme Court. The end. (laughs) (laughs) So it's 1974. He dumps Stephanie and Ted is no longer taking classes And that's because he's out at night doing some crazy shit. Seattle is experiencing a large number of young women disappearing. They are white and they are between the ages of 18 and 25. Um, They're pretty and they have long hair parted in the middle. Mm. And like I said before, when did he really start killing people? He claims later on he started in 1969 in Ocean City. He later on said, oh, no, no, I had a couple of kills in 72 and 73. Nobody really knows. Right. But we'll just start with 74 because that's basically where a lot of people think he started. Okay. And and I'm just going to go through some of the victims. I'm going to keep the details just just not as horrible as yeah. I can. But these are just the victims from 1974 that we know about. And this is in Washington and Oregon. Karen Sparks, 18, he snuck into her apartment, beat her with a metal rod until she was unconscious. 
she survived, but had permanent mental and physical disabilities. She's still alive. Linda Ann Healy was a radio reporter who broadcasted the weather report slash ski reports. And some people wonder if he listened to her mm-hmm. because he was such a fanatic. He snuck into her apartment. He raped her and beat her, killed her, then fully dressed her and carried her out of her place to his car. She had three roommates. They didn't hear anything. That, they, and they were home? They were there. Sure, they didn't hear anything. Oh, I or or just Ted is Ted is quick. I'm gonna t- you'll 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 learn. Donna Gail Manson, 19, 19 year old student from Evergreen State University, that's in Olympia. She left her dormitory to attend a jazz concert, no, but never arrived. Suzanne Elaine Rancourt, she disappeared on her way to her dorm room. After an advisor's meeting, and this is in Ellensburg, which is outside of Seattle, there were two Central Washington students later on who came forward and they said, after Rancourt's disappearance, that a guy was walking around with an arm sling asking for help carrying books to his brown or tan Mm -hmm. Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. Okay. Then on May 6th, Roberta Kathleen Parks left her dormitory Oregon State University in Cornwallis, that's just south of Portland, to have coffee with friends, never seen again. And like I said, Ted played the number game. He would just keep approaching women until someone would accompany him to his car. He would then knock them out. He would handcuff them to his car, and then he'd take them to a remote location. And if he had energy, he would go out and grab somebody right after. And after, and this, all of these killings happened in different jurisdictions, so no one sensed a pattern. And here's something that I didn't know that blew my brain out, but at the time that Ted was still in law school, and we, I said he was working at Suicide mm-hmm. Prevention Line, he also volunteered to work in Olympia for the Seattle Crime Prevention Division of the police. He worked in the sex crimes unit, and learned how police gathered evidence. Oh, my God. And that the local and state police were often in competition with each other and didn't trade uh, information with one another. He also knew there was no national database for sex offenders. And on top, the cherry on top of all of that is Ted wrote a pamphlet for rape prevention at that time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fucker. That's some crazy shit. What a f- Isn't that? Just a, a crazy. Okay, so other victims. So Brenda Carol Ball, twenty-two, disappeared from uh, near the Seattle airport. There's Georgianne Hawkins. She was walking between her sorority and her boyfriend's dormitory, and never was seen again. And at the time of her disappearance, some people said there was a guy walking in that alley between there, and he was where he wore a leg cast and was struggling to carry a briefcase and he kept walking up to women to ask them for help. And yeah. And this is also around this time in 74 when he starts dating a woman named Carol Boone, who is the single mother of two and he's still dating Liz. Hmm. Then, okay. Is this all just like on top of being a murderer? He's a cheater. He's a total cheater. It makes me so mad that he was like taking advantage of nice women who wanted to help him. 
It like well, you know, makes it even shittier. It's like they're being good citizens and this is well, what the reward. Well, this is like, okay, this is how women are raised. We're raised to be nice. We're raised to be polite. Yeah. And we'll talk about this more because he's going to move to Colorado and Utah. But I was thinking about this, you know, Washington, Colorado, Utah, um, all these places have a very high Mormon population. And that's a that's a group of people who are raised to be especially women, nice, accommodating, helpful. Somebody says they need help. You just go right over and don't even think twice about it. And yeah, he took advantage of that. And he also took advantage. There's no national database. Mm -hmm. And if he just kept moving and he loved to drive, he would drive a hundred miles to kill somebody and come right home. That's crazy. He, well, he's crazy. He's, he's insane. Okay. So July 14th, it's this crescendo. And this is when Seattle really, what Seattle really kind of loses its collective shit because First of all, five women that day at the Lake Samamarish State Park, which is in Issaquah, which is east of Seattle. Five female witnesses describe an attractive young man wearing a white tennis outfit with his left arm in a, splint, in a sling, speaking with a light accent. He tried British accents occasionally. Oh, he's mixing it up. He's just mixing it he's up. He's mixing it up. I'm going to try an accent today. And tomorrow, I'm going to wear a monocle. (laughs) And a top hat. (laughs) And see if that makes me stand out. Asshole. Maybe they'll think I'm classy. He would introduce himself as Ted. And he would ask them, can you help me unload my sailboat from my Volkswagen? And four of them refused. And then one of them did say yes. But as soon as she saw there was no sailboat on the car, she fled. (laughs) And guys... Don't a, go like, in the shitty, fucking car. Yeah. And that's a shitty thing. Like, help me with my sailboat. Like, you get even remotely close to the car, you're going to see there's no boat. What the and fuck? And you would ask him. And here's another thing, ladies. He's going to ask a dude. A man would ask another man for yeah. that kind of favor. They're not right. going to ask you. So think twice. Okay. And never get in the car. Good advice, Margo. Never get in the fucking car. Run, mm-hmm. run, run. Okay. So that day... Three additional witnesses saw him approach a woman named Janice Ott. She did go with him and he took off with her. Four hours later, he returns to the park and he finds Denise Marie Naslin. She's 19 years old. She's walking to the bathroom. He approaches her. She says yes. And then he took her. He took two women in broad daylight. Middle of the day. That's so crazy. It's Their just because body, he's like a totally harmless-looking white dude, right? He's not. It's not Brad Pitt, okay? Yeah. And I, I'm going to say this over and over again. It's just a normal-looking guy, and it just seems reasonable. Like right. he would just like. But it's the middle of the day. There's so many people around. No one's going to try anything, and he's taking that for granted. I yeah. mean, and uh, so their bodies are found September sixth. And it's uh, it's a couple of miles nearby. And that's when Seattle really fucking loses it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, lots of women disappearing in the last eight months. We got to do something about this. Ted all of a sudden is like, you know what? I think I'm going to go to law school at University of Utah. And he leaves a month later. He goes, he does just that. Here's the thing. He's trying his first year curriculum again 
because he didn't do very well the first time at the other school, but he's not able to keep up with the other students, which he found, quote unquote, devastating. (laughs) It's so hard to kill people and study at the same time. Hmm. Asshole. Yeah, I feel so bad for you. It's so hard. He's also dating numerous women at this time, but he still calls Liz every weekend. And Liz, Liz, by the way. Move on, Liz. Well, here's something. Liz realizes, okay, so there's this. Here it is. A guy named Ted is approaching women. He's white. He's kind of attractive. And he has a tan Volkswagen. And they find there's like 26 of them in the area, which I don't think is that many. I think you can go through that pretty goddamn quick. Mm -hmm. But Liz calls the police department to say she's suspicious about her boyfriend. Right. And so they add him to the list. And then what do you know? Things stop happening in Seattle and things really start happening in Utah. Hmm. And same year, 74. So here we go again. September 2nd. He raped and strangled a still un- unidentified hitchhiker in Idaho. People still don't know who it is? No. Oh, my gosh. That's so sad. They don't know. So no, there's no warning. Yeah. Like, and he catches a lot of hitchhikers, by the way. Don't hitchhike, people. Mm-mm. Don't hitchhike. Don't get in the car. Okay. October 2nd, he took 16-year-old Nancy Wilcox uh, from nearby Salt Lake City. And he claimed this time he was just going to rape her and then strangle her just enough so she passes out and then leave her alone. Oh, but he well. went overboard. I know. Oops. Yeah. Asshole. I know. <laughs> so October 18th, Melissa Ann Smith is the 17-year-old daughter of the police chief of Midvale, which is just outside of Salt Lake City. She was leaving a pizza parlor her body was found nine days later and she, um, I'm not going to say, but she may have been alive for a while. Oh, I know. October 31st, Lorianne Amy disappeared. She's 17 years old. She was just leaving a cafe. They found her nine miles. Uh, years later, Bundy said his postmortem ritual with the corpses for some of the women, he would shampoo their hair and apply makeup. I mean, uh. Why? Because he's a lunatic. Yeah. Late afternoon, November 8th, he approached 18-year-old Carol Durant. And it's at a place called The Fashion Place, which was a mall in Murray, Utah. It's the 70s. Yeah. Take me to The Fashion Place. (laughs) You know, the place with the fashion. Fashion Place. Yeah, and a funnel cake. Let's go there. (laughs) She goes and she's shopping and a man approaches her in the mall and says, hey, I'm with the local police department and someone tried to break into your car. Can you come with me? And she immediately is like, holy shit. He takes her outside. And instead of taking her to her car, she takes him to his car. And he says, I will drive you to your car. She gets in the car. Ugh. Don't get in the car. Don't get in the car. He puts a handcuff on her. And but somehow she fights like a tiger and she escapes. Good for and her. She got away. Badass. Ted was pissed. So later that evening, he went to another town about twenty miles away, 
and he found a high school where they were doing some sort of theater production. And he picked up a girl, Deborah Jean Kent, who was there to pick up her younger brother. Hmm. And uh, he abducted and killed her. Later on, people said there was a guy walking around the auditorium approaching women to help him help him uh, with his car. And outside that auditorium, they found the key that unlocked the handcuffs for Carol DeRanche, the, the wrist that was on the handcuff mm-hmm. that was on her wrist. So that's where they found it. Okay. So Liz is starting to pay attention to Salt Lake City stuff. And so she calls the Salt Lake City police and says, if you've got some crazy shit going on, you might want to look into my boyfriend, Ted, because blah, 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 blah. They can't at find this, any... At this point, she doesn't want to refer to him as an ex-boyfriend? Oh, wait, just wait. Okay. So they can't find any evidence on him. They go by his house. They can't find any evidence. They miss, by the way, later on, Ted says, a box of Polaroids that he kept of all of his victims <gasps> up until then. Yep. That's what he says, though. He's a fucking liar, so yeah, who knows? Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Okay. So they don't... So that Christmas... Ted spends the holidays with her and she decides she must be crazy. Like Ted's totally great. Like Ted's not a guy that would do anything bad. I know. Ladies, trust your guts. Don't get in the car. Don't ever, (laughs) ever, ever get in the car. Dudes can ask other dudes to help them with their car and also trust your gut. So it's 1975 and Ted, the heat's on in Utah, the heat's on in Seattle. So what does Ted do? He's a skier. He goes to Colorado. Mm -hmm. Forges some ski lift passes for old time's (laughs) sake. (laughs) Just for shits and giggles. Can I still get away with this? Let's see if I can still pull it off. (sighs) I still got it. (laughs) And this one always fucking terrifies me. I remember this from the TV movie with Mark Harmon. But on January 12th, a woman who's 23 years old, her name is Karen Campbell, and always bothered me because I had a friend named Karen Campbell when Mm. I was growing up. There's a million of them. Yeah. She was on vacation with her fiance skiing and uh, they were going to hang out by the lodge. And they, she said, Oh, I forgot something in my room and I forget what it was, but she says, I'll be right back. He said, okay. She goes to the elevator. Nobody ever sees her. He abducts her right by the elevator and her nude body is found uh, by a dirt road by the resort about a month later in March. He goes to Vail and he finds ski instructor Julie Cunningham. She disappeared while walking from her apartment to a dinner date with a friend. And he told later that he approached her on crutches and asked her to help him carry his ski boots to his car when he clubbed her and handcuffed her and then assaulted her. No man is going to ask you for help. Yeah. Just again and it keeps going denise alverson 25 she disappears between the utah colorado colorado border she's riding her bike to her parents house they just find her bike in sandals and a 12 year old named lynette (gasps) culver yeah um near pocatello idaho uh winds up disappeared jesus in june yeah in june Susan Curtis vanishes from the Brigham Young University campus 
And it says here in Provo, and like, oh, that's where my dad died. Mm. <laughs> Provo is a weird place for me. Yeah. So Curtis's murder, um, he that's one of the last ones he well, when he gives a confession later on, uh, on, on when he's going to be executed, he admitted to her. Um, also, after this happens, he <laughs> is baptized by the Church of the Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Yeah. He well, now he's forgiven. He's totally forgiven, yeah. you guys. He's baptized. He could start well, all over. Here's the thing about the LDS Church, though. They do excommunicate people. Like, they do have their rules. And he is later on excommunicated yes. because of the kidnapping. So it's 1975. It's August. And Ted is driving, looking for a victim. And he's speeding. And a Utah police officer pulls him over. And doesn't like doesn't like the way he's acting just like and he's alone too, the police mm-hmm. officer but he takes he gets ted gets him out of the car he's like, what are you doing you're really fast it's late at night and then he looks in ted's car and it turns out the passenger seat is removed and in there is a ski mask pantyhose a crowbar trash bags handcuffs etc and the cop's like ah that seems normal all right move along <laughs> No, <laughs> the cop actually was like, this is super fucked up. Yeah. You're coming with me. Yeah. Thank God. Thank you, cop, and for doing your job. Thank you, awesome. cop. <laughs> thank you, cop. So they go to Ted Bundy's apartment and in it, they find a guide to Colorado ski resorts with check marks by his victims. However, there is still not enough evidence to keep him. So the the Utah police are like, fine, we're just going to really keep an eye on this guy because we think he's guilty as shit. Mm -hmm. Ted immediately tries to sell his Volkswagen. So like one of the police guys has their kid, like teenager, buy it. Mm. And they immediately impound it. And that's when they find evidence of Karen Campbell and some of the other victims. Wow, smart. Yay, cops. Yay. Utah cops. And they put Ted in a lineup and his kidnapped victim, Carol Durant, picks him out of the lineup. And every time you want to tell me how amazing, sexy Ted Bundy is, look at this goddamn lineup. He is like any guy from the 70s. Yeah. It is, he's not special. Mm-mm. So the girl points him out and said, yep, that's the asshole who tried to kidnap me. And he's arraigned. And guess what? He's freed on $15,000 bail. His parents pay it. What the fuck? And he goes back to live with Liz in Seattle while he prepares his defense. What? Liz? Come on, Liz. She's a big bucket of disappointment. She is. What the fuck, Liz? That's going to be my new burn on people. What the fuck, Liz? (laughs) (laughs) She had told her cops all of her suspicions suspicions about him. It's not like she thinks he's just a thief and a bad boyfriend. Like, he's a murderer, and yeah. she still lived with him. Yeah. So I, fast I, forward. I, dude, okay. ladies, ladies, <laughs> if you think he's a murderer, that's a deal breaker. You should break up with him. It's a good enough reason not to go out with him. Yeah, at <laughs> it's least. It's a good enough reason not to live with him. Yeah. I mean, come on. Jesus fucking Christ. I know it's so. I know that's that movie that, that I was just talking about the the one that just came out because it's from the girlfriend's point of view. Mm-hmm. 
And you're supposed to get the idea, like, how could you possibly know Ted was doing something wrong? Like, your boyfriend drives all night, all the time. He smells bad. He steals things. He has a horrible temper. He happens to disappear the same time women disappear. Like, what the fuck? I I don't feel sorry for you. No. No. It's just a big note for me. Here we go. So are you ready for 76? Sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bicentennial year. Ted is convicted of kidnapping of a woman, right? Mm -hmm. He gets a solid one to 15 years in Utah state prison. One. Because women don't mean shit. Yeah. (laughs) And this is when the Colorado authorities want to try him for the murder of Karen Campbell. Mm -hmm. Because finally the cops are all talking to each other. They're exchanging information. And Ted is told by his attorneys to, you know, well, they don't have a lot of great. And this is like, once again, Ted knew how to hide evidence. There are never any fingerprints with Ted, Ted Bunny's fingerprints anywhere on anything. He, he always wore a ski mask. He always wore, he was really good at hiding evidence. And mm-hmm. so his lawyers are like, you probably get off like just, but Ted being Ted and was pissed off that he was convicted mm-hmm. Liz still believes him, by the way, even after he's convicted. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fucking Liz. (sighs) Fuck you, Liz. I'm sorry, Liz. I hope you're better now. Uh, Ted is transferred to Aspen. I always want to say that because of Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) Aspen. Aspen. (laughs) And that's where he's going to serve, because that's where Liz was kidnapped and killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's, and he says, I'm going to serve as my own attorney because I kind of took a year in law school and. (laughs) So why not? And this is where his arrogance really shines Mm -hmm. because this is just like, like really mediocre white boy confidence really coming through. Like, yeah, I could do that. How hard could this possibly be? Right. There's this trial for Ted and Aspen and it's a beautiful courthouse. You could see for yourself. And they, Ted decides I need to be able to use the courthouse library as my office. So when I'm not on trial, that's where I need to be. Instead of spending the whole day in the prison and they go along with it. And there's one, there's one guy, one guy, his one job was to watch Ted while he was in the library. He's getting a smoke or something like that. Ted jumps out the second story window, sprains his ankle and makes a break for it. You had one job. You had one job. Fucking asshole. (laughs) He spends five days roaming around the Colorado mountains. He's breaking in into homes and trailers. He's stealing cars. Eventually Ted makes his way back. And now they're like, okay, you don't get to study in the nice library anymore. You're going to actually be in the jail all the time when you're not in court. And so Ted goes into jail and he spends the next several months planning a breakout. He gets money from old girlfriend, Carol Ann Boone, who shows up to visit. Dummy. He gets, a, she gets a, he gets a floor plan for the jail. He buys a hacksaw. Who gives he, him that? You can get anything in prison. Haven't you seen Shawshank Redemption? You can get anything <laughs> in prison. <laughs> okay. You're probably right. <laughs> Ted gets a hacksaw in prison. He buys a hacksaw. And the thing is, is that he keeps ordering law books 
because he's a lawyer. So he hides all his shit behind stacks of books. So nobody knows what he's up to. But Ted cuts a hole in the ceiling of his prison cell and he's all by himself. Mm -hmm. And I think he's about five foot 10, but he loses weight and he goes down to 140 pounds, which is really slim. That's really skinny, really skinny. And then he practices, he climbs on top of the books, crawls through that hole and kind of walk, you know, crawls around the vents to figure out where everything is. Okay. One day he goes for it. He piles all the books on a bed to make it look like a person is there. Like, so he puts a blanket on it mm-hmm. I mean, keystone, keystone cop shit here. Like yeah. that he gets away with. And he climbs through and he walks out the front door. Jesus. It's at this it's- point he's famous. Right. Because the, the national media now picks up on this story. This is where Bundy media stardom really begins. And just hold on to your hats because holy shit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to keep this brief because it, but Ted goes all over the place. He goes to Chicago, Philly, all over the place, but he winds up in Tallahassee, Florida. This man left two jails, right? Mm-hmm. He left, he escaped twice and he's just traveling around America. I mean, welcome to 1979. <laughs> so, or whatever it was at 77, whatever. Oh, this is where it gets upsetting. So okay. I'll, I'll try to keep this brief. He arrives in Tallahassee, Florida, and he sneaks into the Florida State University Chi Omega Society sorority or Chi Omega sorority house. And it's very late at night. He grabs a piece of wood, like an oak wood branch, and just goes in. And the door was open. He beats to death two women in their sleep, Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy. He then goes down the hall and attacks in the same place down the hall. Kathy Kleiner and Karen Chandler. Kleiner had a broken jaw before she fought him off. Chandler had a concussion, broken jaw, lacerations on her shoulder, and a broken finger. He did all of this in less than 15 minutes. Women are screaming. He runs out. He runs down the street, and he sneaks into another apartment. (gasps) And this is Cheryl Thomas. He beats her. He dislocates her shoulder. He fractures her jaw and skull in five places. He left her with permanent deafness and balance issues, which ruined her dancing career. I know. Ted is on the run. Nobody can find Ted after this. And this is when, like, today's show starts talking about Ted. Like, Mm -hmm. and this is when it becomes, like, once again, it's national news. Nobody can find him. One month later, he's in Jacksonville, Florida, and he abducts 12-year-old Kimberly Leach, and she's right outside her school. And her remains are found a few weeks later. What a and nightmare. Florida, and Florida police, like, don't give a shit. Florida police are like, you know, Florida's Florida. Yeah. So Florida the cops, got a Florida. Florida's got a Florida. <laughs> so... Ted is driving around. He's running out of money. He's freaking out. 
and he's captured by the police one night driving really fast and they pull him over and he tried kicking an officer and running away because he wanted them to shoot him. But they tackled and arrested him instead. And Ted said to them, I wish you had killed me. And he said, I Why wish you... they had killed I... him too. So do I. Here's the thing. Ted knows he can't stop himself, but he doesn't want to go to jail. Because, right. well, right. Yeah. Hmm. Also, apparently speeding is the thing that will get you guys caught. <laughs> That's what gets him caught. Both times. That's unbelievable. Oh, God. Yeah, this is not CSI shit going on here. I mean, this is simple. Just dudes no. driving at night, finding other dudes. Yep. It's just. This is like police academy shit. He's it pulling is. them over for speeding. <laughs> so it's a media circus. When Ted is finally brought in, he's even skinnier than he was before. And now they put like the leg braces on him, the leg stuff, and the, they're handcuffing him. And this is Florida cops. They're parading him around. Mm -hmm. Like, we got the fucker. Ted is smiling like the cat that swallowed the canary. Uh. Like, he's so arrogant. And he starts talking with the press. And every time there's a press conference, Ted starts talking. And, and like when the, uh, the district attorney comes by the jail and serves him, he makes him do it in front of the cameras and Ted talks, Ted is acting as his own attorney again. He did a great job the first time. So I could see. Yeah. yeah. Carol Ann Boone is there every day to support him. She doesn't think he's guilty. For fuck's sake, Carol Ann. <laughs> Liz, <laughs> for fuck's sake, Liz and Carol Ann. No, Liz finally wisens up. Okay, good, good job, Liz. Here's the evidence. Ted was so freaked out when he killed the Chi Omega girls, he actually started biting them. And before, whatever he did with the bodies, he took the bodies away. So they decomposed, mm -hmm. right? They had fresh bodies here. So he left all kinds of evidence on them. And this is when Liz is finally like, oh, I think he's really guilty. And mm -hmm. so she changes her name and leaves and no one knows where she is now. And I don't want to know where you are either. Yeah. You know, good luck to you. That must have been fucked up. But yeah. Yeah. I don't this hold is, Liz responsible, obviously. No, but come no. on, Liz. But Jesus Christ, woman. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The trial is televised. And that's a big effing deal for yes. the time. People all over the world know about Ted Bundy. And this is when we're starting to get that whole thing of, oh, my God, he, here's this guy. He's so handsome and charming and cunning and smart. He was a law student. Mm. He could woo any woman and take any woman and kill her. And they're playing this up. So some dumb, dumb women start showing up at the courthouse like, like, uh, <laughs> like they're going to flirt with him, like from the stand or something like that. Like Indiana Jones, yeah. when he's teaching the students and she's got love you written on yeah. her you know, eyelids. That's what this is like. Like you, women show up for this. Do you think it's because we think a monster like that would look like a monster, would look Absolutely. super crazy? And he instead looks like a regular old white guy. If he looked like Brad Pitt. It would be even worse. Right. It would be even, but there are so many brownie points given to just an average white dude 
just, you know, yeah. th- get for, for smarts, for everything. Mediocre. I mean, he is fucking mediocre. Yeah. And he has, he has defense on his team, but he's the lead defense person. Mm-hmm. And the judge allows him, who's played by John Malkovich in this one movie I saw. <laughs> John Malkovich. Malkovich! <sighs> and his defense team... Uh, people think like, oh, look at Bundy. He looks like he's so, you know, he does a thing like he walks across the room like, oh, my God, look how great he does that. You know, like he talks to the judge. Look how confident he is. I'm like, he's a psychopath. He's yeah. entitled. Like, yeah, he's going to look competent. But is he competent? Like, no, he's not. No, his defense team. He drives them crazy because one of the things that gives Ted away is that when he's cross examining the police that found the bodies of the women he really makes them go into details of like mm-hmm. how gruesome it was. And the defense seems like, shut up, don't bring that up. But Ted can't help, help himself. Yeah, he wants to hear about it. He wants to hear about his handiwork, mm-hmm. you know. In the end, the jury convicts Ted. He has his back to them the whole time that they're reading it because he's a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a bigger asshole. Well, not even a bigger asshole, but a huge asshole. And he's dead, so I can say this about him. And this is the judge who convicted Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy, by the way, got the death sentence for this, for killing the two women. Okay. The the judge says to Ted, you're a bright young man. You would have made a good lawyer, and I would have loved to have have you practice in front of me. But you went another way, partner. Take care of yourself. I don't feel any animosity toward you. I want you to know that once again, take care of yourself. Fuck that. No mentions of the victims. No mentions of the injuries that the women who survived it have to deal with. No mentions of the family. No mentions of the people that were fucking terrified. None. No, just, hey man, you totally squandered your amazing gifts. I mean, like that's the real loss. Yeah. Fuck that judge fuck him fuck him to hell okay he's dead so did ted bundy kill him no okay just wondering just wondering no he he died young like 65 it must have been like cancer or something Hmm. anyway so later ted is being tried for killing kimberly leach and this time it's in orlando and once again, Carol Ann Boone, Liz is long gone, married, yeah. doing her own thing. Carol Ann Boone shows up. Did I tell you Carol Ann, by the way, has kids? <sighs> She's a single mother. She has kids. I know. Carol Ann's a dumb dumb. clearly. She's a fucking idiot. Yeah. yeah. So she testifies as a character witness for Ted in both trials, for that, for that trial and for this one. And while she's on the stand this time, Ted proposed to her. Oh, for Christ's and, sake. And she said, Yes. And now, oh because my of some, God, it's so romantic. Because of some obscure <laughs> Florida law that made them legally married. Ew. I know. Once again, he's sentenced to death. Once again, he gets pissy and blames the jury. But meanwhile, while in prison, he manages to bribe a couple of, of the guards, and he and Carolyn have sex in the waiting room or whatever, and she gets pregnant right away. Ah. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Carol Ann. She has a daughter with him. Oh. 
And throughout the 80s, we start getting several books on Ted Bundy, but especially I want to talk about a TV movie, and it was called The Deliberate Stranger. Mm -hmm. Super famous. Super famous, starring Mark Harmon. He's a handsome man now. Yeah. Picture a 30-year-old version of that. Mm -hmm. Like, wicked hot. Wicked sexy. And he's playing this killer. And what happens is Harmon and Ted Bundy both start getting fan mail from women all over the world because they can't figure out how somebody so good looking can be evil. (laughs) And Mark Harmon later says he regrets taking that part because he realizes that he was glamorizing someone. Yeah. It's not Harmon's fault. It's the 80s, by the way. We had these TV movies every week. Yeah. And that was a two-parter too, right? That oh, absolutely super, super common for people who don't know that I think every week one of the three. So it was like ABC, CBS, and NBC. NBC. They had made-for-TV movies every week. One of them, like you had yeah. like a Monday night movie, like a Sunday night movie, like a Friday night movie, and they were usually true crime things like this. Especially there's times that was called, what is it called when there there's ratings? Um, it happens in November oh, during sweeps. and February. During and sweeps. May. Sweeps, thank you. Yeah. Spe- especially during sweeps, that's when they really go all out yeah. with like, like, you know, Farrah Fawcett movies and shit like that. Yeah. So that was just one of those movies and they played it and replayed it for decades. I think mm-hmm. it was like on Lifetime for years. But at one point in the 80s, there's one piece of DNA evidence that truly connects Ted to one of the murders and Ted admits it. And that's when Carol finally leaves him. Oh my God. That's what it took. He had to that's admit what it. it took. Yeah. So she changes her identity. She, I, nobody knows where she lives or what she's doing now, but she took her kid and got the hell out well, of there. I'm glad she did that. I am too. I'm glad she finally got a clue. Yeah. Um, in, in the early, like 83, 84, the FBI started creating um, a database because we had a thing called computers <laughs> that started getting popular. Mm-hmm. And there were guys in the FBI that said, the, serial killers, by the way, I forgot to mention, this was not a term in the 70s. It, right. There was no such thing. I mean, they were there all over the place. We didn't have a name for it. Yes. And the FBI finally said, we need to study serial killers like we would pedophiles, like we would rapists, like we need to study their habits. And so Ted is one of the first serial killers to be a part of this research. And they have said they have no idea what's truth, what's bullshit, Mm -hmm. what's he making up, what's he bragging about. But his participation is considered important and helpful because Ted does like to brag about how often he kept women. He knew where the body was buried and would visit it. And so he would uh, he would say to them, if he's a serial killer, he will go back and go to that site where it happened. And mm-hmm. they've managed to catch people that way. That's the one thing Ted did. Yeah. Whatever. Gee, thanks. But thanks. <laughs> Asshole. He's, he's, so his execution is going to happen. And he tries so many times over the 80s. He says he calls different states, different police and says, hey, if I tell you where this body's buried, will you fly me out there and I'll give you all the details you need to know. And this is the thing about Florida and Florida and Texas. Like when they want to execute you, they're going to execute you. Like, it's oh, just yeah, not, Florida and yeah. Texas. That's their thing. 
That's their thing. They don't give a shit. Yeah. So just before he's finally executed, the day before he's going to be executed, he gives an interview. And you guys can find this on YouTube. I'm not going to tell you the guy's name because he's an asshole. But he's a conservative activist who hated pornography. And that was his whole thing in the 80s. Pornography and then video games. Bad, 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 bad. Oh, yeah. And that's when Ted gives his final, final, final interview. And he says... I didn't have a bad childhood at all, denying all that shit. Yeah. And he blamed it all on pornography. Cool. And if pornography hadn't existed, he women would still be alive. Sure. And that he thinks movies like Friday the 13th are going to turn people into killers and all this stuff. It's just blame, blame, blame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. People who, <laughs> who blame shit like that for their fucking crazy my friends that like horror movies, I swear to God, are the most gentle people you'll yes. ever meet. Like Patrick. Yes. Like, yeah, they tend to be. Like, it's just, it's just stupid, crazy bullshit. Yeah. Because if if movies and music and video games really impacted us in that way, I feel like then the reverse would be true as as well. And it's like, well, I'm super nice to everyone because I watched a lot of Care Bears cartoons or something. Like, it's not true. It's just not a thing. Fuck that. No, and, it, no, and when people like, I, I look in the comments for some of these interviews, one guy wrote like, damn, he thought the 70s porno could turn you into that? Like, he would tell <laughs> women would be dead now if that's the case. <laughs> Which is true. Right. So tame. So yeah. tame in the 70s. Did so somebody was, order a pizza? You know, it's that sort of stuff. It's like totally mellow. It's like they had a plot and shit. <laughs> Sorority parties. Yeah. <laughs> Cops showing up to arrest you. Okay. Mm. So here we are. It's January 1989 and Ted is finally executed. It's a media spectacle, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, people had signs outside saying burn baby burn and they yeah. sold t-shirts and which is, you know, and look, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the death penalty myself, right. but I'm really glad he's fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, have- that's, I get conflicted about stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, I'm not like, I, I don't want the death penalty, but then I don't want Ted Bundy living. So there you go. I'm torn. It's hard. Yeah. It's very, yeah, yeah I'm torn too. I mean, the I struggle is real. All these women, yeah, all of these women, and he's admitted to like 30, but he said it could be up to 100. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's, I that's... probably was because he was really good at it. Yeah. Um, I just want to say he has lived on in several films and books since then and with the usual handsome, intelligent law student who fooled everyone bullshit, which enrages me to this day. Barf. He just happened to exist in a time when the local and state police did not cooperate with each other where the FBI did not have a database for serial killers, and when women were expected to be be polite and trust a normal-looking guy no matter what. Mm -hmm. Ted was a psychopath and loser with average intelligence, one year of law school in him, and more entitlement than could be contained in 10 people. He deserves to be remembered for the creep he was, and the real tragedy is all of the victims who never lived their full lives. We should remember and honor them when the words 10 buddy Ted Bundy, excuse me, are brought up. And that is my show today. Ted Bundy, what a creep. Serious good job there. Thank Fuck you. Fuck him. He's, yeah, and he's ugh. the worst. And, and and there's more. I, I mean, honestly, if you really want details, you can go to Wikipedia. They're there. Yeah. But he's a piece of shit. 
and fuck him. Yeah, and that that narrative of him being somehow super handsome and gifted is disgusting, and he's none of those things. He's fucking he, psycho who happens to not look like Charlie Manson. He exactly, and I was I've said this before, but like if he were a model, he wouldn't be in GQ or Esquire. He'd be in a Sears catalog. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Sears. Next to a tractor yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's it's it's so overblown. I think he just it was a numbers game. And he was a psycho. Yeah. And he learned to take rejection and move on quickly. And that's why he was so successful. Ugh, so, ugh I know. But there you go, guys. Ted Bundy. Would you like to hear about someone who's not a creep? Yes. Please. Okay. <laughs> yes, is, ma'am. So on April 25th, 2018, the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department arrested Joseph James D'Angelo. He was 72, also known as the East Area Rapist, the original Night Stalker, the Visala Ransacker. Did I, Visala? Did I get that Visalia? right? Sure. Yeah. And the Golden State Killer, whose crimes included 12 murders and more than 40 rapes occurring in 10 different counties across the state. In the press conference announcing the arrest, the Contra Costa County District Attorney Diana Becton thanked Paul Holes, who had retired from his position as Chief Forensic uh, Services Officer for the District Attorney's Office, but had continued working on the case uh, through the arrest. And she said that his work in using new technologies helped solve this case. So let's talk about Paul Holes. Yes, he, please. He worked for the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Office Crime Lab in the District Attorney's Office for almost 30 years. And I actually grew up in Contra Costa County, and I'm only vaguely, like, I knew of all of this kind of stuff going on, but I was I was just a kid for most of it, so pretty clueless. But um. And it turns out, actually, Paul Holes was also just a kid when a lot of this was going on. He was only 10 years old when the East Area Rapist was, like, terrorizing the Bay Area. And it was fucking bananas. Uh, this was wow. in the 70s. Um, but he was always super fascinated by crime and using science to solve this, solve crimes. And this is before, like, CSI and shit like that, by the way, you guys. Um, in an interview with Diablo Magazine... He said that he watched Quincy regularly. That uh, He said, I was fascinated by the investigative thought process that he would employ to solve mysteries, utilizing medical and forensic evidence and investigate techniques. As I got older, I thought, that is what I want to do. And that's what he started doing. So Holes was like kind of at the forefront of using DNA technology to eliminate suspects and solve crimes. Um, and there was this really high-profile case here in the Bay Area. Um, this woman was murdered in 1978. Her name was um, Armida Wil Wiltsey. And she was this 42-year-old woman who was, like, walking around the Lafayette Reservoir, and she was strangled. Oh. And then, yeah, 20 years later, Holes and some other investigators paired her a DNA sample under one of her fingernails with a blood sample of a paroled murderer named Daryl Kemp. Um, and he had relocated to Pleasant Hill after being released from prison in Southern California. And eventually he was convicted of that murder and sentenced to death, although he's still on death row because California's not Texas or Florida. 
<laughs> takes a while. Yeah, it takes a while. Uh, so cold cases kind of became like his thing. And he was very fascinated by the East Area Rapist. Um, and he spoke with the investigators on that case. And he read through all the reports. And it was Holes who first linked the East Area Rapist to the Golden State Killer in Southern California. And he was instrumental in leveraging like new DNA advances to solve the case. So in January 2018, this is all super recent. Um, yeah. He decided to upload the DNA from a crime scene from the Golden State Killer uh, East Area Rapist crime scenes uh, to it's called GED Match. Um, it's like a genealogy website, like a like an R and our ancestry or uh what's the other one 23 and me it's like mm -hmm. one of those things um to look for a match and it actually produced like a pool of potential suspects and that was narrowed down to joseph james d'angelo which wow is, yeah it's super crazy so since the arrest of the golden state killer um paul holes has become kind of a true crime heartthrob um you and i had actually talked about him i think last week we like we're casually talking about him about like he's very good looking man yes. and um there was like at the press conference like he really caught like everyone's eyes and there was like a hashtag like hot for holes <laughs> 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 which i think is really funny and dirty um and he told the sacramento bee that um, he's being approached by a lot of women. They're all wanting to come up and get photos, but they're all super nice. And it's nothing overtly sexist. Uh, like all of a sudden I'm feeling like an object. And here I am, this 50-year-old guy. But at the same time, it's super flattering. Um, he has a book out right now called Evil Has a Name. It's the untold story of the Golden State Killer investigation. He hosts a pod, a true crime podcast called Murder Squad that's on the Exactly Right podcasting network. It's the same network that um, launched by the ladies from My Favorite Murder. And he hosts a show on Oxygen, which I need to watch because I think this sounds interesting. It's called The DNA of Murder. And he's traveling around the country and he's helping law enforcement agencies solve cold cases. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I just... Dude's not a creep. No, no. And he's truly handsome. He is really handsome <laughs> and really smart. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's he, not a he's not faux handsome like a certain Ted Bundy. He's actually really handsome <laughs> and really he's smart. Married. He's married, right? I think he is. Yeah, I'm sure he's taken. Yeah. And it but if you Google like if you type his names in, Google will finish it like Paul Holes married. Like it's like it's something that clearly a lot of ladies are googling, um, and it it kind of cracks me up. It reminds me of when the documentary Making a Murderer was out, yeah, and all these women got really hot for Stephen Avery's defense team. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I just what, one of them in particular, like the one who had like a full head of like dark hair, like I forget his name. Anyway, people were a lot of ladies were pretty hot for him, which I thought was really, really funny. It's like these unlikely heartthrobs. So Paul, Those are the best, though. They are the best. Yeah. Um, so Paul Holes is not a creep. 
he's definitely not a creep. And there are lots of good cops like him out there. We need to remember that. And there's more of them than there are serial killers. But let's say once again, do not get in the car. Yes. Ever. Do not. They can ask a dude to help them with their car. And you should always trust your gut. If you're like, something seems off or creepy or weird, like, you don't need to be polite to them. Fuck that. Right. Just go the other way. Yep. It's okay to hurt their feelings. Their little fee-fees. It's okay. Fuck them. (laughs) Figure it out. It's not your place. Well, Sonia, this was so much fun. You can find us at What a Creep. Talking about Ted Bundy is fun. I know. But no, I can't help it. I'm always in a good mood when I talk to you. We host another show, by the way, way, called The Dorking Out Show. So be sure to check that out. Where we just talk about movies and we crack each other up. Find us at What a Creep on Facebook and Instagram. And on Twitter, we're at Creep pod and sonia where can they find you you can find me at the sonia show.com and that's sonia with an i and i'm mainly on twitter at the sonia show and of course you can find both of us at dorkingout.com and dorking out show on twitter and facebook and you can find me at brooklyn fitchick mainly on instagram and twitter i have a facebook page but i don't attend to it very often and you can find me at brooklynfitchick.com that's my really cool website that my friend sonia helped me oh that sonia sounds so nice <laughs> and as soon as you asked me my cat just came over and jumped into my lap so i think we're gonna end the episode now so guys we'll be back Next week with a new creep. And Sonia, you're going to give us the creep next week. Yes, I am. And it's a good one. Yay. Stay out of the cars. (laughs) Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Stay out of the cars. Thank you for listening to us talk about creeps. You can follow us at What a Creep Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But don't follow us too closely. You can email us your creepy stories at whatacreeppodcast at gmail.com. But please keep your dick pics to yourself.